Welcome in Chiefs Kingdom. Another week, another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. A little different this week. Uh, first of all, I got my guy Steven Serta with me filling in for Matt Stagner, who's on vacation. Hope he's having a good vacation. Uh, but we also got a game preview this week. Uh, we usually do the game recap after the game, answer your questions after the game. But we're going to preview it this week. Got your questions in before the game. So first, before we get to anything, Serta, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Ron. Uh, thank you guys for having me on the Out of Structure yeah. podcast. It is my first appearance on this one. I've got, I feel like I've got my hands in a lot of things <laughs> at uh, Arrowhead Pride right now. But uh, I'm excited to be filling in in the uh, shoes that are left behind by Matt Stagner. So I, I'm juiced to be here and help preview the New York Giants with you. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Serta, you know. He, he got the magic touch behind the scenes, making us sound better, making uh, making our uh, taking out the uh, the cuts, the uh, the bad takes that me and Stags have. You know, we don't let you guys listen to, to hear those. But uh, yeah, so and and we're recording actually right now during Sunday football, which has been crazy so far. We kind of just saw the noon slate. It's been so, nuts. It's been nuts. I, yeah, we were supposed to record like an hour and a half ago, but I was like, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. There's too much going on. I got. I, I'm working too hard right now. I got too many fingers and too many different things. I'm trying <laughs> to keep up with all these crazy football games. Yeah, we had the Jets beating the Bengals. I think that's final, right? Yeah, we we saw that. Yeah, they took them down. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz just threw a pick six to uh, end that game in overtime between the Colts and the Titans. So the Titans wound up with the walk-off touchdown. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's breaking news to me. You are telling me that for the first time. Holy cow. That is crazy. Okay. Well, wow. Well, uh, uh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, noon slate's done. We're on to the three o'clock slate, but uh, we'll, we'll put that to the side for now. Let's get into some chief stuff. And first thing, Actually, we're gonna... I'll take that back. It was not a pick six. It was just an interception. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, still, <laughs> that's funny. Cause I feel like the whole Carson Wentz thing this year has been like, you know, he's not actually throwing picks this year. And, and then he has like the, if you got, you guys, I'm sure saw where he threw it, like from his own goal line, like tipped it up and it turns into a pick six. And now we've got an overtime pick. So, uh, here we go. Carson Wentz, uh, going back to your old ways, but anyway, get into some chief stuff uh first of all guys uh, we're gonna get into your questions but first uh first kind of set of questions we want to do center around uh you know uh, everyone every social media member's favorite uh, chiefs player right now uh you know maybe quote uh, you know air quotes on that because uh tyron matthew um he you know we all know he's he's really heavy on the social media use but on friday he took to inst- the instagram comments actually him and anthony hitchens uh, both kind of were in the instagram comments you know, talking about Chiefs fans, and and one thing Tyron Matthew said was, uh, you know, we the fan base might be the most toxic in all the sports, which is a pretty bold thing to say, man. Um, and and you know, Anthony Hitchens kind of agreeing with them. They kind of had a few comments. We saw Saturday, uh, you know, uh, during their practice or after practice, Tyron came out and apologized. Actually, well, I don't know if he directly apologized off the top of my head, but he kind of just walked it back, saying, you know, it was a little bit of a you know, in the moment, heat of the moment kind of thing, but which I appreciated. I really thought that was good of Tyron to do because, you know, I think a lot of fans, we've been clamoring all offseason for him to get signed. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone thinks the reason the defense is bad is because of him. Uh, you know, if anything, the, the rest of the defense is so bad, he's not able to make really plays because, you know, obviously the, you know, offenses can target people besides him, but Serta, I'll let you kind of, you know, get your take on this, but I, I thought it was cool to see Tyron apologize for it because, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, it's a little bit of a frustrating season and, you know, that, that kind of fr- frustration is going to pile up sometimes. 
Yeah, and I totally get where he's coming from. Um, you know, what I would say is that most fan bases can be toxic in some way or another. So uh, for him to like point the finger at Chiefs Kingdom as, as if they're more toxic than any other fan base, I, I think is a little ridiculous because I think every fan base has their toxic group of people who are never going to be happy. It doesn't matter what. So I understand what they're saying with we've been to Super Bowls. We've got a ring. Like, what are we doing here? The issue is that in the modern day NFL, it's all about what's happening directly in front of us. And what's happening directly in front of us this season is the Chiefs are not a very good football team. Uh, we have not seen them perform up to the standards that they have set for themselves. And while that seems unfair to the players, and I agree that it is in, in a lot of ways, um, that's just the way that it is. Uh, I would go back to what Andy Reid said, where... <laughs> Just, well, I don't really like social media. Uh, I don't really agree with social media, so just stay off of it. And that's what he should do. Because Tyron, like, I love him. He's a great player. He claps back on social media all the time. And for a team that's really struggling, three and four, all four of their losses are against division-leading teams, the upper echelon of the AFC teams that you're going to have to face in the postseason, you know, it, it makes me wonder even more, like, where their heads are at right now because they did not look prepared for that game in Tennessee. And they've just not played very good football with a ton of mistakes week after week after week. And so I I'm questioning where they're at mentally as a football team, because this is the biggest stretch of adversity they've ever had to go through in the Mahomes era. And I understand that the gravity of all of that stuff could be heavy on your conscience and your mental state, but that's the way that it is. Like you guys just got to get it figured out some some way or another yeah no I, I think i think you hit the nail on the head right there just i mean since tyron's gotten here that yeah the start of 2019 wasn't great um but yeah maybe i guess the expectations now that they've already won a super bowl maybe you know early in 2019 you know uh with if fans were talking maybe you know it's a different reaction from him but yeah it's just what did you expect Tyron? I mean, I'm sure he feels the same frustrations that some of the fans have expressed to him or that he's seen online just in terms of, yeah, you know, debating, you know, whether they have the right guys, it, you know, Tyron throwing his hands up, uh, you know, and in, in the middle of a play kind of tells you whether, you know, maybe he's thinking whether yeah. they have the right guys out there or not. And that's what the fans are saying too. So I, oh. I just, it, it makes it kind of funny. Like I'm sure he feels the same frustration that the fans are, but yet he wants to clap back and, and, you know, I, I get maybe it motivates him. Maybe it gets him going. And, and hey, if that's the case, then do whatever you got to do, because because something's got to turn around quick. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him throwing his hands up, because like that's a perfect example where in that moment <laughs> you were a symbol for the entire fan base. Like because everybody at home was doing the exact same thing. It's not that they don't support you. It's just that. Fans have short term memory. Um, it's they they want to watch a team that wins football games and you guys aren't winning football games right now. I still think this team has the talent to turn things around a little bit. Uh, maybe they're not a Super Bowl contender this season based on what we've seen, but they're not as bad as they have played either. So there, there should still be some optimism around this team. I, I get that the frustrations boil over sometime and players responding to people on social media never helps anything. So they should just <laughs> stop doing that. 
Yeah, and you know it comes off the heels of a of a very embarrassing loss. I mean, that's that's I'm I'm sure that's kind of where the frustration kind of mounted, maybe for fans and Tyron a little bit. Um, but like I said, it was cool to see him apologize, and I gotta imagine, I you know I'm I'm not sure. I'm actually going to be at the game tomorrow, but I'm not sure if it's the defense or offensive starters getting announced. But if it's defense. I'm sure we're still going to hear a big crowd roar for when Tyron comes out. So I think, I think we'll be able to put it all behind us a little bit after, after uh, today, but yeah. we can move on and start talking about this game. Uh, speaking of this game, we got a Monday night football game against the giants coming up and we're going to talk, you know, you guys usually on the, uh, on the uh, BK and, and the show uh, talk chiefs um, on Fridays. Cert is on that. Obviously, as you guys know, I'm sure you guys are listening. You guys usually hit the, uh, you know, when the Giants have the ball and the Chiefs have the ball, uh, three things on each side of the ball. We're going to hit that today, actually. And, and we're going to start right now with when the Chiefs have the ball on offense. And I think we got a pretty obvious one to start out. Uh, no turnovers, please. Uh, that's the first thing you want to look for when the Chiefs have the ball. It's been crazy, man. Uh, most turnovers in a season under Andy uh, in, in his Chiefs career right now, it's 18. They have, seven, they have 17 this year. And they're on pace for 41 this year. And that's a and I saw that in a tweet from Jeff Schwartz. Kind of just shows you that it's super unprecedented how, how much they're turning the ball over right now. But uh, I can't imagine it. it I, it's got to be one of those things where it, it's going to turn around. It, it can't just keep happening like that. It, it can't, you know, they're averaging like two or three turnovers a game since week two or three. It just can't keep happening like that. You got to imagine it can't, but it just keeps happening. I think this might be a game where we see it maybe slow down a little bit, but uh, I, you got to imagine at some point it just it just stops a little bit in terms of the the craziness of the turnovers, like how unprecedented they are. So, Serta, what do you think about the turnovers? Do you think we can see it stop happening, or is this just we're just gonna have to expect two or three turnovers a game from this offense moving forward? I mean, yeah, the Chiefs lead the NFL in turnovers. They're at the bottom of the league there with. Teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you simply can't be there if you're considered an AFC powerhouse, if you're considered a perennial playoff contender, Super Bowl caliber football team. Like, you just simply can't be there. And it should go without saying that you can't be there. But they continue to find weird ways to create turnovers every week. And I was kind of joking during this Colts game earlier, like, Carson Wentz goes out of his way each and every week to make one of the more difficult interception throws that you'll like ever see in your life. Like it's like he does it every week. And Patrick Mahomes has kind of done that this season. There's been a lot of fluky stuff. The chiefs haven't cut the breaks that we're used to them catching. That happens in football. Like sometimes it just doesn't fall your way. That's the way that it goes in the sport. And so you kind of have to live with that sometimes. But what you can affect is the amount of just dumb mistakes and dumb turnovers the Chiefs have been plagued by this season. So it goes without saying, you can't turn the football over against the New York Giants, Ron. Like, I was spending a lot of time this week diving into the New York Giants stats and numbers and like trying to find reasons like, is there something that this defense does good under the surface that, like, I, that, you know, you can't get by looking at a, a general box score or rankings or something like that. And no, the, the answer is no. Like, they're not that good at anything. They're, they're just simply not a good football team. So there's no excuse to turn the football over in this game. Like, this is 
the perfect get right game before you got to go take on the red hot green Bay Packers who just beat the only undefeated team in football on Thursday night without their three starting wide receivers and without their defensive coordinator. And so there's just no excuse in this football game in, in my mind for them to turn the ball over even once. Like I understand that a lot of fans will probably be like, Oh, you know, you give them one, you know, if it just happens, it happens. Somebody gets a fumble football punch out or whatever. No, I, I'm setting the standard at no. There is no excuse in this football game for a single turnover because you are that much better than the New York Giants as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, that, that's the truth. And the fact is, uh, you know, one thing is the Giants do have the 11th highest per, uh, rates of uh, their defensive drives ending in a turnover, crazy enough. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't see any reason why the Chiefs should, you know, Giants should be able to force a turnover on the Chiefs if they're playing well. You know they're lo- they're missing also uh, Julie or uh, Peppers uh, Jabril Peppers Jabril Pepper almost said Julius Peppers not him if they had him that'd be a whole nother uh, story but uh, Jabril Peppers will be out he's kind of a playmaker in their secondary so that kind of helps the Chiefs uh, case but the other part of the turnovers too is if you want your defense to play a little better stop giving them no time rest at all on the sidelines by turning it over the next play as we've seen a couple you know on the first play of the drive we've seen that a couple times this year. And so that kind of segues into our next point is just hanging on to the ball. And that kind of sounds like the same thing, no turnovers. But what we mean by that is, you know, maintain some possessions. You know, let's let's drive up the time possession a little bit. You know, time possession isn't the the end all be all at all. And I don't buy into that at all. But I do think one one way the defense has been bad this year is because the offense isn't helping them by the offense is turning the ball over quickly. And then you're you know, you just had a 10 play drive. You gave up a field goal. All of a sudden you're back on the field because Mahomes threw an interception on the first play of their drive. So let's hang on to the ball a little bit. And I think one way to do that is to run the ball. This offensive line, man, they've been struggling in pass protection a little bit. They don't struggle run blocking. Let's get them doing what they do best. Get them comfortable. I think that also, you know, builds confidence in their blocking ability. You know, the more times they run the ball and, and it also allows, you know, it, the defense doesn't just know that you're going to pass the ball if you can balance the run in a little bit more so I think that's one thing that I am really keen on is keen in this week and I think it'll help Mahomes kind of be more confident too in the pocket is that don't make him drop back 60 times this game let's run the ball quite a bit you know if it's not effective it's not effective but I think it will be I think it could be let the offensive line kind of do their thing fire off the ball and and create big lanes and let Darrell Williams kind of do his thing I want to see more running this week yeah, I'm with you. I, I would like to see more of that. I would like to see more screens. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's 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 do some stuff at the line of scrimmage. Let, let let's create at the line of scrimmage, and, and see what we can do for this offense to help them out because they've had issues fumbling the ball this year too. And again, this Giants defense isn't particularly good at anything. And I I scoured the the depth <laughs> chart of statistics to try to find something like oh well you know the secondary is actually better than you think or you know the pass rush is better than you think or this is something that they do really well that other nfl defenses don't do really well and there's just nothing that they do particularly well like at least not enough for me to say oh this jumps out is something that could affect this game like like there just simply isn't there so yeah just hang on to the football run the ball a little bit Try to utilize that. Let's get some play action going, open things up down the field, get some of those explosive plays that we're used to seeing in this offense because that stuff hasn't been there this year. And 
I think some of that is on Andy Reid. Like, let's see some in-game adjustments. Let's see some pre-game adjustments. So let, let, let's see a game plan that's catered to the opponent because it feels like they've been coming into every week saying, we do what we do. And it's on them to try to stop us. Whereas that's a tough way to win in the NFL. Uh, a lot of teams make adjustments based on the opponents that they are facing. It does not feel like the Chiefs have done that at all this year to me. It, it, it just simply doesn't. So I, I need to see them make some adjustments in the offensive philosophy, in, in the in-game stuff. And yeah, just move the ball and try to create explosive plays instead of just banking on Mahomes doing it all on his own. Yeah, well, that goes right into our third point, too, which is scheming guys open, uh, you know, scheme, just just schemes in general. Just we need better schemes from the off, you know, from Andy Reid. You know, he's supposed to be an offensive genius, which, hey, he is. You know, no one's disputing that. But you got to use that gene, genius a little bit more. Uh, it seems like he like you said, he really does just like to go into the game, do what he likes to do, kind of just trust Mahomes to drop back and find the right guy. Well, guess what? Especially against Tennessee, Mahomes wasn't really playing that comfortably you know get him more comfortable by scheming up these wide open plays you know use your magic to get you know McCole Hardman open you know in the middle of the field for him to get a big play you know get you know I one thing too is Travis Kelsey should be like the cheat code against cover two defenses when you're talking about you know vertical routes up the middle of the field to split those two deep safeties and we just have not seen it seems like I, I don't remember the last time we saw a vertical target down the middle of the field to Travis Kelsey Scheme that stuff up, man. And I know they they're they're really you know hounding on Kelsey and Hill and and you know trying to shut them down. But I, I would think Andy Reid would find you know have a find a way to get those, those guys open. So I'm trusting Andy to do that or, or banking on Andy to do that. And yeah, and and I do want to make this point too is is that they've been coming out really flat in games, man. Right out the gate, they've just offense and defense have both not been very good in the first halves of games. That's just. We need to see the offense, that first 15 play script or whatever. It needs to be good. It needs to be effective. It can't we've we the last few weeks it's been it's been pretty bad out the gate. So I need to see Andy Reid have 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 his best 15 play script. It'd be nice to kind of see some more creativity at the first part of the game. Yeah, and that's that's one of the more puzzling things about this offense is that was something you could always bank on in the past, right? Is that that first 15 script is right. going to get you is going to get you a score early in the first quarter and they've really struggled with that this year that that that's again why I'm questioning their game plans and their preparations and I know you've listened to all the press conferences this week the tone at Arrowhead was different this week Ron it it just sounded different right like it sounded zaps it mm-hmm. it sounded like there was a lot of guys who were just we don't really know why it's not working. Uh, we're, we're trying to look at, figure it out. We're, we're taking a, a deep dive on ourselves and how we approach everything and trying to figure things out. And in my opinion, when it's reached that level with the players, that's when the coach has to step in. That's when Andy's got to say, okay, we got to, we got to change this. We, we, we got to do something different. And I'm never the person that says run the football more generally, unless you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you simply can't pass the football, but refuse to run it. Um, But when it comes to the chiefs, I am always in favor of pass, pass, pass. Let's, let's score points. Let's put up 50. Let's do this thing. But this team needs something, man, because it's not working. And so if that means run the football more, 
Yes, I, I am about it. The the Packers had to seriously adjust what they did on Thursday night football. Now, some of that was their defense also created turnovers, gave them positive game scripts. Now, what the Chiefs have done is the opposite of that, really. It's all season long. They've turned the football over when they've been in positive field position, which is a killer because those are drives that lead to points. And so you're canceling out points and then giving up points on the other end. So it's basically like you're doubling up how bad the turnover is. And the Packers on Thursday night football, seriously shorthanded, going against the only undefeated team in the NFL. Matt LaFleur had a good game plan, and Aaron Rodgers was just surgical in the fact that he didn't throw the football down the field. It was short stuff, pick up first downs, utilize our running game. Let's just keep this thing close and give us a chance in the fourth quarter. Now, the Chiefs don't need to do that exactly this week against the New York Giants. It's not the same caliber of football team. But you need to see something like that. You need to see like a game plan, like a surgical game plan from Andy Reid from start to finish that says, this is the thing that's going to get everybody in a rhythm and get things going. And we'll get guys open. We'll get McColl open for a long touchdown. We'll, we'll get Tyreek some easy stuff down the field. We'll get Travis Kelsey open in the middle. Like, let's just scheme some things up because I know Andy Reid's totally capable of it. We've absolutely seen him do it before. It just doesn't seem like they're doing a lot of that stuff this season. So we know they can do it. Let's do it. This is a a prime opportunity to try things out against a bad football team. And then you can take what you learned from this game into next week against the green Bay Packers. Yeah. Well said. And, and there is confidence to be had on the offense because when they have played bad teams, they beat them. It's, it's really when they play the contenders, uh, you know, that's all four of their losses have been against the AFC contenders. Um, so, yeah, there, there's reason to be confident going into this game. But let's switch over to when the Giants have the ball on that side of the ball, um, you know, because the Chiefs defense, as, as bad as the offense has looked at times, the defense has been completely embarrassing the entire uh, season. Uh, there's really not been a lot of bright spots. One of the only bright spots, though, uh, from last week, how about Nick Bolton, man? Nick Bolton looks like a stud, and especially against the run. Against the pass, there's still some things to be desired. Um, but with Anthony Hitchens still out, you know, it's going to be Nick Bolton's show. He was calling the plays last week at the Mike linebacker, and he was playing alongside Willie Gay, who made a play on a you know an interception on that screen pass. So those two, we're going to see a lot more of them. We're going to continue to see a lot more of them. I think Willie's still kind of getting into the swing of things. You know, that injury kind of set him back at the beginning of the year. But I'm excited to see these guys. I'm excited to see – Bolton and Gay uh, continue to develop. I think they're really important this week, man. I think Daniel Jones is a pretty damn good runner, and and he'll get to the second level, and and we'll need linebackers kind of step up and, and kind of limit his big plays in the, in that sense. Because um, honestly, he might be their best. Daniel Jones might be their best ball carrier right now with Saquon Barkley out. So I, I think we will see a lot of quarterback runs, and that's that's kind of been the uh, you know really bad on the Chiefs' defense part this year is how they defend quarterback runs. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see a little bit more Nick Bolton, Anthony Hitch, or uh, uh, Willie Gay. I was going to say, I actually think, and I know this isn't about this game, but even when Hitchens is back, I think Bolton should actually be starting over him. Um, I, I don't know how hot of a take that is anymore. And I know that's that, – or Bolton should be starting over Hitch. I don't uh, – so I don't know how hot of a take that is anymore, but, you know, I, I do think it's the truth, and I know it's not probably not possible. Coaching staff's going to lean on Hitch, but – what are you seeing from Nick Bolton, Willie Gay? That's got you excited, or, or you know, what do you what do you think about the two, the young linebacker duo right now? Yeah, well, and I was actually going to ask you how you felt about 
uh, Nick Bolton staying in the lineup over Anthony Hitchens when he gets healthy because I'm with you. He should, right? Like that last game in a game that was filled with like 0.5 positives for the Chiefs. <laughs> like I, I think Nick Bolton and Willie Gay were, yeah, it, it was like a 0.5. It wasn't one positive in, in a game that was that bad where he only scored three points. Um, he looked great. He was all over the field. Like he was, he was stuffing the gaps. He was tackling Derrick Henry in the backfield. Like he looked as best as he is, has looked as a pro in that football game, in that position, being the guy who is legitimately kind of running the defense and is able to just step in and, okay, all we need you to do is jam the line of scrimmage and be the guy who is our run stopping linebacker. That is what he is made for. That is what he is built for. And Anthony Hitchens is supposed to be built for that. He's okay at it, but he's not great at it. And he's been overpaid for a long time. I know Anthony Hitchens is mad at the fans right now, but <laughs> Hitch, I mean, let's be real, man. You've been overpaid for a long time. You, you got a good contract. I don't fault you for that. I am always down for NFL players getting paid, but you have never been an extremely talented player. Like you've always been a, at best an average linebacker, generally a below average linebacker. Nick Bolton showed me enough in that game that, hey, man, I got to see what we got in this young kid because Anthony Hitchinson going to be here next year anyway. So let's see what we got going forward with Nick Bolton. And Willie Gay just simply offers you a level of athleticism you haven't had in your linebacker course since Derek Johnson. So, so let's keep getting that guy refs. Let's keep getting him involved because he's the only linebacker we have who probably has any business being in pass coverage right now. So yeah. I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that and see how he continues to develop. Yeah, I do think Gay right now, he's, he's still, in my opinion, playing a little kind of like uh, over skis a little bit or erratic. Uh, there was one play I pointed out on Twitter. He had a chance to just kind of square up and hit Tannehill on a scramble, and it would have, you know, been it would have forced a fourth down. But he kind of like got a little too excited, I think, and just kind of put his head down and tried to nail him and flew just flew past Tannehill, and it became a first down. So I, I'd like to see Gay kind of just you know calm down a little bit and just kind of play within himself a little better. But that's what I'm saying. You know, get the reps in. You know, continue to get him reps. On a long-term basis with with Hitchens and Bolton, the thing with Hitchens is like he's not a bad player uh, to have at your Mike linebacker, but it's the contract that makes him you know a lot worse than than maybe his production or what his impact on the team is. Bolton's on a rookie deal, and, and so that's why like when if you if you could replace Bolton with Hitchens for the long term, and and kind of have that rookie contract where you're not paying him much for three or four years, uh, you know, for the next three years. Uh, that's like the that's the value there. You know, he he still doesn't really give you much pass coverage that hit, you know, him and Hitchens are kind of both meh and pass coverage, but it's the contract. You know, you can you can deal with that uh, on a rookie deal when you're paying somebody one of the top linebacker contracts and he's not good in pass coverage. And it's oh boy. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. And, and I'd like actually to see Nick Bolton in Neiman's position in the dime too, where he's the only linebacker on the field, because it's not like Neiman really has much more athleticism or speed over him either in pass coverage. I mean, I'd, I'd like, I think Bolton could be a three down player where he's on the field the entire time. I, I think that'd be kind of cool to see, but I don't know if, if we will see that, but uh, we'll see Monday night, but let's go on to the pass rush. Cause that is everyone's favorite topic. Um, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, 
kind of getting back into the swing of things. Uh, Chris Jones is healthier. He's he's going to be playing uh, for sure on Monday night. He played last week for the first time in a couple weeks after that wrist injury. Frank Clark is going to be his fourth game back since he returned from that those couple hamstring injuries that really screwed up the beginning of the, this uh, this season for him. And I thought it was really cool kind of hearing him talk about he, he's such an honest dude, and, and he'll just kind of be open about it all. And, and if you guys haven't heard his press conference, I actually wrote an article about it. Uh, check out arrowheadpride.com to kind of see what Frank Clark said. And I, I, I'm, I, I know you guys, uh, I listened to the, uh, the, you know, your guys' show on Friday, Serta, and uh, you guys were dogging the pass rush pretty good. Frank Clark, you know, kind of being invisible. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I actually think they've been coming on the past couple weeks. And I think this is the game that all comes to fruition. I think we see, uh, you know, a sack at least from Frank Clark. Uh, you know, the good, just a good pass rush game in general. I think, the, and we said this before because uh, of a banged up offensive line that's going to help them, right? Well, it didn't help against the Ravens. Didn't help against the Eagles. But uh, I, I think this is actually the game. I think they're all the pass rush finally starting to come together. I think Jaron Reed's actually starting to get a little bit more penetration and, and fit, look a little better too. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. I think this is a pass rush game. I might look stupid on Tuesday when, when nothing happens and the Giants put up a bunch of points on a, with a non-existent pass rush forcing them to do anything. But I'm going to predict it right now. I think it's going to be a good pass rush game. I think Frank Clark has a sack at least. I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> right. That, would, that would be awesome because uh, I, I just want to see anything from either of these guys. So I'm in a really deep dynasty fantasy football league. I'm sure you guys care about my fantasy team, but we use IDPs, right? And Chris Jones forever was like one of my strongest IDP players. He has been a straight up liability in my fantasy life. Oh, I'm sure this yeah. year. So I cannot start him under any circumstances in my IDP slots moving forward until I see something from him. Cause I know Chris Jones is a special player. I think the wrist injury has definitely impacted what he's been able to do this season. And so I, I'd like to see him please have a big impact in this game in, in a positive matchup against a not very good New York Giants offensive line. And then Frank Clark, you know, he spoke to the media. I was really surprised the Chiefs allowed him to speak to the media this week. And he did. And he was honest and said, you know, I was going through a lot of things mentally off the field. I'm in a good space right now. Uh in my head and with where we're at on football and, you know, he's getting healthier and, and trying to get back to where he was. And he was honest about the fact that I could not work out my lower body for weeks. And it just set me back where I'm, you know, I'm just weaker than I am coming off the line of scrimmage because I wasn't able to do stuff that I normally do. And we have to factor that stuff in. We can't always just be like, Oh, that guy's washed. That guy's terrible. We have to take into account those things, especially when the players are being honest and telling us about that stuff. But the reality is that Frank Clark is making a ton of money and you need him to produce for you. So, yeah, I, I do tend to agree with you that this game could be a game where the pass rush finally gets going. And I desperately want it to be the game where the pass rush finally gets going. I just got to see it first before I'll believe it. Like you're, you're taking a bigger step than me because I don't even have faith. <laughs> right now but i'm hoping they get it figured out and i'm hoping that you're a hundred percent right ron yeah and and the and i'll expand on my uh reasoning or why i think it could be the game is because 
the Titans game, I know it, you know, I know it seemed like there was no pass rush at all. They got one sack and it was on the blitz kind of late in the first half. I do think though that you could you started to see a little bit. Frank Clark looked explosive to me. He was he was flying off the ball pretty good. He was bull rushing very well. He was in Tanhill's lap a couple times. He's led the team in pressure since he returned by a lot. I think he has eight more pressures than the next guy. And you got to consider Jones hasn't been in, so that makes sense. He has a pretty high pass, pressure rate since he's been in. I just think last week the Titans just were doing so well at play action and the quick passes where the pass rush just became negated because, hey, on those play actions, you don't want to just fly up the field because you got to make sure you're, you're staying in your gap for Henry. And so that kind of just really slows down the pass rush. And then on those quick passes, man, it seemed like sometimes Tannehill was catching the ball and throwing immediately before there could be anything done in terms of winning a pass rush rep. So I think Daniel Jones tends to hold the ball in a little longer. They also do play action, but I don't think it's I don't think it'll slow down the rush as much as the Titans did because of Henry. So that's where I think I, I think it'll it'll kind of come to fruition this week. I I'm, I'm kind of speaking into existence more than I uh, you know I'm confident in predicting it. But I, I just I just want to predict that I want to sound smart on Tuesday because I do think this is going to be the game. But on our last point, let's get off. Let's start getting these second halves that we've seen. The defense, they've played really well in the second half the last three weeks. Let's translate that to the first half. And I've kind of mentioned it earlier how the entire team has kind of started slow recently. And this defense could really help themselves if they just and, – and we saw we've seen it sometimes. That Chargers game earlier this year, did they not come out and, and play really well? You know, it kind of helped the offense because the offense kept turning it over. The defense came out, had two three and, three and outs right out the gate, I want to say. And we've seen that in the second half at times in recent weeks. Against the Bills, they forced three or four three-and-outs in a row. And they actually had the interception that was called back on the uh, Frank Clark rough in the passer. So, yeah, let's just let's just see that second half, uh, the second half momentum kind of turn into a good first half for once. I think that'll really help not only their unit, the defense, obviously, but it'll help the offense kind of not get in a hole and, and press because hey, the offense say they're pressing. It is not a – Spec, it's not speculation anymore. I mean, Mahomes says he's pressing, and one way to help that is the defense start off strong. I want to see it this week. Defense start off strong. Yeah, please. They 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 need to. Um, let's just see it in the first half. And you know, how are we going to feel on Tuesday if this Giants offense just? <laughs> drops, you know, 25 points or whatever, because we're not going to feel good because this should be if the Chiefs are anything that we really believe they are. And I still think that we haven't seen the best version of this team uh, by any stretch of the imagination yet this season. But if they truly are anything that we believe they are, then this Giants offense and them overall, this should be a tune up game for the Green Bay Packers. And so I want to see a dominating win from start to finish. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes brought it up this week. Andy Reid mentioned it. They said after the game last week, everybody got on the ride home and they immediately busted out their iPads and they were breaking down the game and, and trying to figure out how to get better and what the hell happened in Nashville last week. So if all of that's true and the tone was different this week, and this team is ready to grind out the rest of the season because they've dug themselves a hell of a hole here, then we got to see it on Monday. And it's got to start with the defense not giving up easy scores in the first half of the game. 
Like, yeah, don't turn the football over, but the defense needs to put that thing together for four quarters. So we've talked about it is a small positive from the last two weeks and really even against Buffalo. I think they only gave up one touchdown. The second half is a defense. One of those was a pick six. So really three consecutive games, the second halves, the defense has played pretty well. It's just a matter of them getting things going early in the football game and holding strong. So we got to see it for four, four, four quarters this week. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is the Giants are missing. I mean, Barkley, I, I want to say, isn't it Galladay that's out, too? And yes. I know Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony, Tony's a game time decision, I want to say. And, yes, and they're Tony, very banged up. Yeah, I mean, and Tony is is the guy that scares me the most. All of a sudden, that guy is is good, and 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 the Chiefs' missed tackle problem is not going to be any better against him. But if he if he doesn't play, I mean, this there's just not really a reason for the Giants' offense to really do anything, get anything going. So yeah, you're right. If 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 the Giants' offense puts up any sort of you know numbers or a good amount of points, it's it's going to be pretty discouraging. But that's where we will uh, end our our first segment. We're going to go to break. Let our sponsors get their talk in. We'll come back and we'll answer a few of your questions before we get out of here. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks for listening. We're getting ready for a Chiefs-Giants Monday night football game, me and Serta. I've been getting through our uh, offense and defense topics, but now we're going to go to some questions you guys submitted Sunday morning for us. And I'm going to start off with a kind of a, a, a big picture question a little bit, or not a big picture, but just a, uh, you know, a full season, uh, you know, question with not really a game preview question. And it's from Jake Wilson at Jake for now. Jake is always asking good questions. Appreciate you, Jake Wilson, which chiefs rookie Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, or any of them has made the biggest impact this season. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, I, I think if you're talking impact, I think it's got to be Creed Humphrey because uh, he's the starter. He's started all year. I know Trey Smith has been really good, but I think Creed's just been a little more consistent. He's the center, so you know he's got to be doing a little more communication stuff that's kind of helped the offensive line. It's pretty impressive for a rookie to kind of step in and do that. We've seen, we, we have seen a bad snap or two this year, but it's kind of settled down. I think they've gotten that down. I, I don't think we've seen one since maybe week two against Baltimore. So, yeah, I'm going to say Creed Humphrey, but I, I think this could go a different a couple different ways, Serta. Do you have an answer besides Creed Humphrey? No, nah, I think it's probably Creed Humphrey. Um, 
we just haven't seen the consistency. I mean, Trey Smith has been fantastic too. So I, I think you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Yeah. Um, but rest of season, I would hope that it's Nick Bolton personally. Yeah. There you, um, go. you know, it's, you know, we saw a lot of ups and downs to start the season and he was put in kind of an unreasonable situation where he would not have started as early as he did, in my opinion, if Willie Gay didn't get hurt. Um, and then the Hitchens injury, he's probably logged a lot more snaps than the Chiefs were planning on him having this early in the season. So to see any kind of growth from Nick Bolton that we saw last week is super encouraging for a young player that was kind of put in an unfair situation prior to him actually being ready to fulfill that role for the team. So rest of season, if we could see Nick Bolton be that guy, I think you should be really excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about how bad the defense has been this season, a performance like that almost makes you one of the best players on the defense period, um, which, you know, obviously is sad because you don't want your second round rookie linebacker to be your best player. But uh, if you're going to, if he's going to play like that, I mean, it's, it, there's, he leads the league in tackle for losses. I think I, I saw, I didn't believe it when I first heard that. Um, how crazy is that? Uh, leads the entire league in tackle losses, but. It's very unexpected. <laughs> yeah. No, I when I first heard that, I thought it, it meant among rookies or like maybe just in last week, but no, the entire league. And that kind of makes sense because I feel like it, it we have seen uh that happen all year. But one other question from Jake actually. I I I kind of like the the thought of it. And we can think this out a little bit, but which developmental rookie? And so he, he gave the examples of Kane Doe, Noah Gray, or Cornell Powell, who's on the practice squad, hasn't been on the 53 man all year. Do you feel is most likely to break out next season? I think I would go with Noah Gray here. Um, I think tight end is kind of a hard position. I think you see a lot of rookie tight ends, no matter if you're first round pick or not. Like it kind of, it is kind of hard to get into the league, and because there's a different when you're blocking guys. I mean, I think that's the main difference. I feel like you know you're blocking way bigger guys than you were blocking in college, and and that kind of thing, and you don't get on the field as much because of that, but. I think Noah Gray's got the ability to be a pretty good player in the offense. Um, do you have anybody else besides uh, Noah Gray? No, I think I'd go with Noah Gray too. Um, but I, I, I guess we'd have to really take a look at like what we think like a breakout would be for one of these guys. Cause like yeah. Kane Doe, you might consider it a breakout if he just becomes like a starter in some regard or a like significant rotational player. Yeah. Whereas like, Noah Gray, it's you got you got to keep in mind how difficult it is for tight ends to transition to the NFL. Where yeah. one Travis Kelsey isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He's still incredible, and we just see on a consistent basis that some of these tight ends it takes them till year three or year four before they're real contributors. Dawson Knox is a perfect example of that. Who's having a breakout season? Mike Jasicki is having a breakout season. Uh, Austin Hooper is a guy who like had one breakout year, I think in year four of his NFL career. And it got him a contract where he was one of the highest paid tight ends in football. And he has not been anything close to that since. So like tight ends, just a really, really difficult position uh, to transition from. And to think that like that guy is going to have like a drastic impact when you already have Travis Kelsey, probably like not a fair expectation to put on Noah Gray, but I think he's a talented player who could have an impact at some point. I just don't know how I would define like a breakout for Noah Gray. 
yeah, I just think there's a chance that maybe he could take over Blake Bell's role when they trust him a little more to block next year in a second yeah. year. Um, so I, I could see that. But I do think Jody Fortson, I mean, he was playing over Gray. So if Jody Fortson comes back as good as he was this year, then that kind of takes away from Gray. But moving on, um, I like this question because we didn't really talk about it yet. But first of all, Josh Gordon, um, we still haven't really seen a lot from him uh, since he's joined the Chiefs. And the Chiefs kind of keep promising. They, they did it again this week that uh, this might be the game. They kind of, you know, they're trying to work him in there. And I do think a little bit has to do with the fact that the games have not gone how they kind of imagined. And I think they've kind of had to panic and maybe not go to the same, uh, you know, uh, scheme or strategy they had when they thought maybe they'd be up and they, and uh, that kind of thing. Cause I, I've, I've heard Andy say that in the two minute offense, that's why they've had to be in it more. And I think Josh Gordon isn't in that right now. Cause maybe they, they don't trust the communication, that kind of thing for him to be on point, maybe in the no huddle, he knows the uh, calls and everything. But anyway, will this be the Josh Gordon game? Because I, I, I do, I, I do want to say this. It's just Demarcus Robinson is playing as, like 75% of the snaps, more snaps than any of the skill positions, yet is like fifth or sixth in targets, fifth or sixth in receptions. It's incredible how much he can play and not like he, he's like a hundred yards behind Pringle. And, and but he, he's played 200 more snaps than Byron Pringle. The point being, if he's not going to be making an impact, put Gordon in. I mean, at, at some point, if you're not going to be thrown to Demarcus Robinson anyway, at least you might as well at least put Gordon in. And and let him have the chance, I guess, or let Mahomes have the chance to feed him because it doesn't seem like he wants to feed Robinson. Now, I know he's had a couple long touchdowns this year. Robinson has, but I'd really like to see them just kind of throw Josh Gordon in and just see what happens a little more. He, he went down to eight snaps last week. I just, you know, maybe get him to 20, man. I, I even even if you don't feel super comfortable doing it, just throw him in. Let's just kind of get him going a little more. Yeah, I, I'm really with you on this. Um I understand Demarcus Robinson had a couple of long touchdowns this season, but what are you really gaining by having Demarcus Robinson on the field at this point? <laughs> like, you know, he's just kind of an unreliable unre- option. And Josh Gordon, if you brought him in and you're curious about him, I understand that the guy's probably not the same superstar caliber player that he once was, just spent too much time away from the game and with too many things off the field. But you brought him in because you knew you needed an answer there. And so give the guy an opportunity to be an answer there. Cause we know the answer is not Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> uh, we know the answer is not Byron Pringle. We know the answer is probably not McCall Hardman. So give Josh Gordon an opportunity to make an impact. Yeah. I, I want to see it. Let's see what that looks like. Or, you know, if, if you really want to go at the trade deadline, shake things up and go get Allen Robinson, that would be awesome Woo! too. I don't I don't think they have the money to pull that off barring uh, some other moves, but let's do something here. Yeah. Let, let, let's get some guys on the field who can actually make an impact because I wouldn't call anything that Robinson Hardman or Pringle have done this season drastically impactful. I know they've each had their moments, but they're not consistent players. Yeah. And, and by the way, before I continue on Kyle Rigger at Rigger is here asked that question about Josh Gordon. I forgot to shout him out, but yeah. And, and I like the, the, uh, the trade deadline point because I, you see people kind of say, 
well, you know, we need defensive help. We don't need offensive help. Well, hey, there's not a lot of defensive impactful players out on the trade market right now. You know what there is out on the trade market, it seems like? Wide receivers. If you're talking like a Brandon Cooks, and you just mentioned <laughs> Allen Robinson, who has not really been that good this year. Um, but I guarantee you, I, I, I'm sure he'd be a little better if he was on an offense like the Chiefs instead of the Bears. Kind of I think a change of scenery would be good for Allen Robinson right now. Yeah, and I think he would agree. <laughs> I think he would uh, he wouldn't mind that. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 it is a little silly to me that, that people are saying, you know, let's, let's not go to receiver, you know, we need defensive help. Well, who are you getting on, on defense now? I mean, I, I like the Whitney merciless idea. I think Emmanuel Ogba still makes sense, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen or, or, or what I, if the dolphins want to sell, I think it could, but you know, he's still making 7 million this year. So that's pretty good. So yeah, I, I, I like the idea of maybe a receiver getting added, but yeah, if, if, if not, man, give Gordon some more opportunities. Um, I'm hoping they're ramping it up more and more, but yeah, I, and it's sad to say, and, and the show, I know, uh, Ron, the show would not be, uh, happy to hear you say it's probably not McColl, but it's true, man. It, it's, we still have not, seen, we still have not seen him do any, you know, he made that really, he had a really good play against Washington where he, he looked like a real receiver kind of winning down the right sideline on a deep pass. But, Besides that, all his production is still coming off of gadget plays, still reverses, still a little jet tap passes. Nothing really where he's winning as a true wide receiver downfield, winning on a route. It's just not happening that much. So, I st- I started comparing McCole Hardman last season to Travis Benjamin. Like he, <laughs> oh god, he is just he's an explosive play wide receiver who's never going to show you any kind of consistency. Maybe McCall Hardman's a little bit better than Travis Benjamin, but that's exactly who he reminds me of like NFL wise. Like he's gonna every like six games or so he's going to have like a 70 yard touchdown, but he's never going to put it all together consistently. I like that actually Travis Benjamin. Uh, yeah. Shout out to you. I, I used to be a U fan and he was, he was, he was a good one back in the day when I was really following Miami. Um, but yeah, no, let's see if Josh Gordon gets going this game. It might be a kind of a good game to just let him loose if the Chiefs do kind of get to a good lead. But we'll move on to our one of our next questions. Chef Boy RDG. He's always asking good questions. And this is more of a big picture question. Andy's here to stay, which I agree with for the long haul, no matter how the season ends. If things fall apart this year, possibly next year, how bad do you think it would have to be for Clark Hunt to actually make a change where it's not Andy deciding to retire. It's actually the chiefs wanting to fire Andy Reed. I think it would have to get pretty disastrous for that. to And, and it is a disaster right now, no doubt, but it, it, it's going to take a lot more than, than this kind of performance, especially when the offense still has been pretty good. And then the turn, you know, the turnovers are Andy's fault. And I know Andy could do, do better things, but um if, if anything i think they'd make changes on the defensive staff before they would fire andy reed um and you know let kind of andy have another maybe defensive coordinator although i don't think spag should be fired i don't think that's i think the def- the players just need to play better but um you know it, it'd probably take about maybe two or three maybe even more years of of failures for andy to get fired sir do you think are, are you are you indifferent on that at all what do you think about the possibility of maybe in the future, what would it take for Andy to actually be on the hot seat legitimately? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it would take years and years of failure. Uh, yeah. in, in my opinion, Andy, you know, in Philadelphia, it, it's a little bit different because that fan base, I mean, you want to talk about a toxic fan base, like that fan <laughs> base is always clamoring for their head coach to be fired on a weekly basis. And, you know, and Andy got more time there than anybody else did really. Uh, 
But Andy Reid's got mu- the most job security in the NFL outside of maybe Bill Belichick. Like he is in that category with Belichick, Tomlin, Pete Carroll. Like Andy Reid is in that class of head coach here in Kansas City. So one down year, there's not going to be any questions about whether or not Andy Reid should be fired. And I don't think there should be. Um, you know, if this Chiefs defense does continue this pace to where they're not only the worst defense in the NFL this year, but one of the worst defenses in NFL history, then Spags is going to get fired. Like Andy's not going to be able to hang on to him after a season like that. So, and that was what it took for Bob Sutton to get fired. Finally, Uh, after years of us clamoring for Bob Sutton to get fired, it took uh, the, the full season where that defense cost you a bid to the Super Bowl. That's what it took for Bob Sutton to finally get fired. So, even then, there's no guarantee that Spags would get fired. But I think if this defense winds up finishing the league or the season as the worst defense in the NFL, Spags is probably going to be moved on from. But yeah, there's no reason to think that Andy Reid is going to leave Kansas City unless he decides he's just tired of it. Yeah, by his own volition, I think there's always that possibility. He is getting older and, um, you know, there, there could always just be, you know, we've seen a health scare already this year, but. No, I'm with you. I think it would take at least three seasons of of bad football, of non-playoff football for him to even be considered, uh, I would say, on the hot seat. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's we don't really have to do much more on that. But you know what? Let's let's wrap up here on on one last question. Uh, and, and let's let's wrap up on a non-Chiefs question. Uh, you know, we're both, you know, sort of does a lot of NFL stuff in general, not just Chiefs stuff. We're both, you know, we both follow the NFL pretty well. I'll give you a second to think about it, um, and I'll answer first. But who is your favorite non-Chiefs player in the NFL and why? Matrick Mahomes, too, at Not a Chiefs Fan on Twitter is the one who asks. He's always asking good questions as well. We got the got the regulars in here today asking good questions. I'll say C.D. Lamb. I love C.D. Lamb. Um, he is so good, so electric. That Cowboys offense is really fun to watch, and I think C.D. is a budding star. He's he's. He kind of reminds me of DeAndre Hopkins to where he's like, it doesn't seem like he's that like, like super fast or okay. It looks like he's, he's faster than he actually is. He kind of looks like he's quicker than he actually is, but he just makes it happen. Uh, makes great catches too over people. Um, yeah. He, and he's on like every one of my fantasy teams. So, uh, and, and so CD lamb is definitely my guy uh, in, you know, it'd be kind of fun to have a receiver like that in Chiefs Kingdom. Um, you know, if they need, if it'd be nice to see maybe the Chiefs kind of invest in that kind of receiver. And you know, I know it's tough to get a receiver that was picked in the top twelve, but um, they haven't picked a receiver besides McCole Hardman in the top two or three rounds since Veach has uh, you know taken over. So I'd like to see the Chiefs kind of try their chances at getting uh, that type of guy maybe in the, in a few you know the couple more drafts, um, the next few drafts. But Serta. Who is your favorite non-Chiefs player? Do you have one specifically? Uh, I, I have two, I, I think, right now. Well, I, I mean, I've got a lot, actually. I, I could rattle it off. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a degenerate fantasy football player, so I've got yes. a lot of favorite players in the NFL. Um, you know, I almost went Justin Jefferson. I love Justin Jefferson. He's absolutely incredible. Um, he, he's just a really, really fun player to watch. But my favorite player in the NFL right now is probably A.J. Brown. Um, oh, he's just a stud, man. Like guys that are that big aren't supposed to be able to run that fast. Like he had a 57 yard touchdown earlier today that was just like a nine yard out route. And he just 
tossed Xavier Rhodes to the side and just took off and was gone as soon as he shed that tackler. Like, there's just that many people in the NFL that are that big who can just take off and be gone and and be that explosive. So I absolutely love AJ Brown. And like, I was at that draft in Nashville when the Titans took AJ Brown and it was early on in the second round. And I was bummed because I was hoping he would fall to the chiefs in which the same draft, they took McCole Hardman over DK Metcalf. <laughs> I wanted AJ Brown or DK Metcalf. Cause I thought they were both going to be stars and fast forward a couple of years. They are both stars and the chiefs right. took McCole Hardman. So I'll always think about that, but yeah, I love watching AJ Brown play football. I think he's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I think it's appropriate that we both pick wide receivers because, man, the crop of young wide receivers in the league right now is ridiculous. Uh, Jamar Chase, too, or right now. Yeah. is just I'm a wide receiver guy. It's my favorite position. <laughs> I mean, and, and speaking of fantasy, I mean, yeah, you, you it's crazy like the, how deep it gets in the drafts. Like, you could be the third or fourth round and still really like the wide receiver you can get. So, yeah, it's kind of it kind of shows you uh, what, what it's all about right now is, is receivers, and the Chiefs could use another one. But, uh that's a that's a story for another day. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. This has been the Out of Structure Podcast. Please rate and review on uh, you know whatever uh, you know uh, pl- platforms you use to listen to our podcast. Keep listening to the rest of them. We're gonna have the editor show out on Tuesday, the day after the game. Cert uh, is on with uh, Ron the show and BK at the end of the week. That's always a good one to check out. And then the Great British Chief show as well. But. Keep checking them out. Serta, I really appreciate you hopping on, filling in for, for Stags. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll keep rolling. We'll, uh, maybe it won't be the last time we're, we're on a podcast together. Yeah, man, I, I'd be happy to come back. This was a total blast previewing this game with you. And I got to shout out A.J. Brown, so I can't complain <laughs> at all. And, I, you know, Chiefs fans probably weren't too happy about the A.J. Brown shout out after uh, last week. But uh, we'll, we'll hope they forgive you a little bit. But. For uh, for Serta, for me, for Ron Cop, this has been the Out of Structure Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>